Hello, my sweet summer children, and welcome to my little unnamed podcast that you listen to while you walk the dog or drive to work or sew or knit or ooh, work your drop spindle. Wouldn't that be fun? I'm your host, Bethany. Today's episode is titled The Curse of the Side Diamonds Part 1, and in this episode, we explore the process of commissioning a piece of jewelry and making something from scratch and what I learned about myself while I attempted to do this. As a side note, there is a little bit of swearing in today's episode, so if you're listening with sensitive or tender ears, then maybe this is an episode that you save to listen to alone. It seems like getting a ring made for someone like me who is sort of rocking that middle middle class lifestyle is usually reserved for a single occasion, typically for a woman, it's her wedding. But honestly, while that ring is for her, it's usually made without her direct input. Now, I did have a say in the look of my engagement ring, but only after my husband admitted he got my first engagement ring after buying it off a coworker whose relationship failed before he had a chance to propose. My husband and I did talk about my ring expectations because I really like jewelry. So even when we were dating, I agreed I would never buy him a piece of musical equipment without his direct supervision. And he agreed to never buy me a piece of jewelry without my direct supervision. And because early in our relationship, his go-to adage was happy wife, happy life, we negotiated on a second ring of my choosing, which I love and will never return, even in the unusual event of a divorce. So side note, check your states because in some states, an engagement ring is considered a conditional gift, meaning if the condition of the gift giving is broken, the marriage, the gift must be returned. So not wishing divorce on anyone, but if you love your ring, forewarned is forearmed and lose that shit, okay? Unless it's like an heirloom and it belonged to his great-grandmother or something, then give it back. Come on, like, what are you doing? Okay, moving on. The ring, even with my direct input, almost came to disaster. You see, I'm not a diamond person, and say what you will, I think they're boring and needlessly expensive. And after I read the novel The Engagements by J. Courtney Sullivan, my opinion of the diamond engagement ring industry really tanked. I am, however, really hard on my jewelry, especially rings. I wear them every day, or I used to, thanks COVID, and often several on each hand. Some were given to me as gifts for Christmas, some I inherited, and some I bought for myself. About the time of my marriage, almost all of the rings that I'd bought for myself up to this point were sterling silver, or 9.25 silver, and most of them I had worn so much I bent them out of shape where the band had snapped from regular wear. I also, proud of me, chipped an amethyst while I was working at a bank, and so from a durability standpoint, a diamond makes sense. For those of you who aren't this into jewelry, I'm going to break it down a little bit for you. So the hardest stone in the world is a diamond, and that measures at 10 on a scale called the mole scale. The next hardest stone is a corundum, which is a sapphire or a ruby, depending on the chemicals that were percolating when it was being made. And then after that, we are looking at an eight, which is topaz. And that amethyst that I chipped and those garnets and citrines that are so popular, all those are seven on the mole scale. So 10 better than seven. But I was really interested in a blue stone and I had initially planned for a blue topaz as my stone in my engagement ring. 
And then my jeweler told me, oh, they make diamonds in that color. So <laughs> enter the world of fancy colored diamonds. Ooh, ah. If you want to know how they color them, you will have to ask a gemologist. It has something to do with like heat and pressure and possibly radiation. My dilettante knowledge of gemstones only goes so far. If you want to see the full diamond rainbow range, go to lotuscolors.net to be suitably impressed. So I select a stone in a color that I liked. I found a setting that I liked, bam, off to the races. And after a few months, the ring comes back. And when I saw it in natural light, the color seemed washed out. I was at my in-laws house when it came in the mail and everyone who saw it was like, ooh, oh my God, how pretty. But all I could see was that it wasn't right. So I called the jeweler, I'm not ashamed to admit, and this is the only jeweler I will name between my two podcasts, and it's Joseph Jewelers in Des Moines. And I spoke to the woman there that I've been working with, and I told her, look, this color isn't right. Something's going on here. What happened to my stone? And she invited me back to the store to choose something else. What she told me is that jewelry stores use lights, which are calibrated to make the stones look their best in interior light. But then they alter a lot of times when they get out into daylight. The stone I picked out, I thought, was a deep teal, but in the daylight, the stone looked basically sky blue. And the thing is, I almost didn't call. I mean, it was pretty, but I wanted it to be right, and I wanted it to match my expectations. I felt bad for being unhappy with it. But then when I thought about wearing it for the rest of my life, right, that's the dream, and I I would be looking at it with resentment and dissatisfaction because I I don't like it. And if I let people talk me out of my own feelings now, then that's what my engagement ring means. It's this time that I didn't respect my own feelings. So I went back to the store and I selected a new stone and they fast-tracked the resetting because by that point we were really close to the wedding date. And I'm glad I did that. Getting that rang perfect, right? Getting it to look exactly the same as it looked in the store, out in the real world. When it's possible to do so, like that should always be the thing that we aim for, to get what you want. It should always be our first choice as women, as like customers, as humans. Like you're paying for something and pretty much to me right now in my life, any dollar amount is too much to spend to be disappointed. So That experience brings me to getting a ring made for my birthday or the curse of the side diamonds, all right? You needed all that background information to understand what's about to happen next. So for my birthday last year, I decided I wanted to have a ring made. I like all things blue as discussed. Blue topaz is my birthstone, but since a blue topaz is considered a semi-precious stone, Most large jewelry store chains aren't really making interesting and unique pieces with it because all the money is in the precious stones, rubies, sapphires, emeralds, and diamonds. I found a nice blue topaz stone from a gym dealer on the internet, and I did some searching around in my area where I could find a store that had a setting department. And I made an appointment, and I brought my stone to the store. So I meet with the designer in the store. We'll call it Store X. And this guy that I'm working with, we'll call him right, as in, I don't write things down so I can remember them. And we'll call that foreshadowing, okay? So I showed him the stone, and we talked about some design ideas. We sat and looked at rings that he had designed in the past, and what I liked and what I didn't like. He and I talked for almost an hour, and from the start, I told him I don't like a lot of ornamental diamonds, and I want the ring to be suitable for daily wear. 
I also showed him uh, the necklace that I had bought in the meantime that was a nice blue topaz stone. And the reason I showed it to him was because I wanted the two pieces to be complementary. He says, yeah, 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 no problem, no problem. And he told me in about a month he would have a design ready for me to approve. And I told him that I wasn't in a huge rush, but I did want the ring in time for my birthday in December. At this point, it was September, October, so there was plenty of time. And I left there feeling pretty confident in my life choices. And then the rat race begins. I come back in a month. It's not ready. I had to do a bunch of emergency engagement rings over the weekend. Come back in two weeks. Okay. I came back in two weeks. Oh, it's ready, but I left my designing laptop at home. You'll have to come back in a couple of weeks. And this carries on for basically the entire rest of the year. Finally, in January, he has something to show me. He remembered his laptop, all of that stuff. So we had talked about having either three to five diamonds at the top and at the bottom, which mirror what the pendant is doing. Or we had talked about having one diamond each on the left and on the right side, which sort of mirrored the shape, the overall shape and appearance of the necklace. We had talked about either of those things, either one or the other, and he put both. Now, I don't know if he conflated the ideas in his head, exactly what happened, but I saw the design and it it was on a computer program and all his colleagues, they're giving me the spiel, you know, oh my God, how beautiful, what a beautiful design, oh my God, la la la. And it, it was pretty. It really was. But I asked him to take off the side diamonds because without the side diamonds, everything else about the design I really liked. And I asked him, do I need to come back in and approve the design in CAD before you send it off to the casters? Like after you undesign these side diamonds, do I need to approve it again? And he said, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. Great. So as far as I know, he sends it off. He gets the ring back. I call to check in, hey, is the ring ready? He goes, hey, your ring is in. So I go down to see it. And what do I see? Both the side diamonds and the top and bottom diamonds. And by this point, it's February. It's two months after I said I wanted it done. And I'm really tired of the runaround. I'm tired of having to call to get my own updates. And I feel like I'm working really hard just to spend my own money, but I hate these diamonds. And I'm trying to get myself together in a way to ask like, Why are these diamonds still here? And then he says, I'm thinking about sending it back because I don't like the color of the gold. And I think, yes, okay, here's my chance to say something. So I ask him, like, as long as you're sending it back, can you take off these side diamonds, remember? I wanted you to take them off of here. And he looks confused at me, and so I keep talking because that's my default. If I don't get positive facial confirmation that you understand me, I am going to keep talking until you do. So I said... When I came in to see the design back in January, we talked about taking the side diamonds off, remember? We texted about it. So he pulls out his phone, presumably to look for the aforementioned texts, and I almost see on his face the moment when he sees the text. And then suddenly it's all like, oh my gosh, I'm super sorry about that. I'll take care of it right away. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't care if you're sorry, right? Mistakes happen, just fix it. But out loud, I said, oh, (laughs) it's no problem. My husband, um, he calls that the difference, as in the difference between what I think and what I say. And he is terrified that one day the difference is going to come out in public, but it never will. And here's why. Because if the difference ever came out, if I ever said the first thing that popped into my head without curating it, I would be considered an angry black woman. And nobody wants that. 
So anyway, he says, all good, all good. I got it. I'll send it back out. It should be back in 10 days. And then I leave. And then COVID hits. And then everything just shuts down. The defecation hits the ventilation. In Maryland, we are hard locked down. Okay, we're not getting arrested or anything, but stuff is just closed and there's nowhere to go. And for months and months, the stress of the pandemic and everything else that has happened in the mid to back half of 2020, I just forgot all about it. And the ring went completely to the back of my mind. But lately, I've been trying to tie up all the loose stuff that was half started back in March or April. So I called the jewelry store to check on the ring. At that point, we were into July. And so I'm assuming it's probably done. And wonder of wonders who answers the phone but right. And by this time, I know his voice. Like, I just know it. So he tells me the ring has been back and forth three times. And each time he sent it back to the casting house because he didn't like the color of the gold. And I can barely find words because not once has he called to tell me this. He tells me it should be back in the next week or two. And get this, that he'll call me when it's ready. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I call the store after two weeks. And Wright is out on a 10-day vacation, and his co-workers can't tell me if the ring is back or not. And by this point, honestly, I'm seriously considering abandoning the whole thing. They have my blue topaz, but topazes are not that expensive. Whatever, fuck it, I'll get a new one. I'm just considering washing my hands of this whole entire thing. And while I'm having that conversation with myself, I get a call back from the jewelry store. Oh, we looked around in Wright's things, And we found this ring. It came back. It's here. Come and pick it up. Great. I go down there and pick it up. And y'all, you will not believe what is still on this ring but these GD side diamonds. I I am standing there in front of this lady that I don't know. She's giving me the it's so beautiful spiel again. And I just can't even speak. Like my stomach is churning. I feel like I'm slowly drifting out of my body and looking at myself from above holding this ridiculous piece of jewelry that I've tried to get changed three times. And I pull out my phone. I start looking for these texts that prove to her that these diamonds aren't supposed to be there, but I can't find the texts. And I'm telling her like, these are not supposed to be there. And she looks all over the paperwork and all over the documentation that they have about the design process. And she can't find a single note about the diamonds, not a single one. So rather than face 15 more months of this, I just pay the bill. I take the ring and I get in my car and I drove straight to another jewelry store. You see, in the meantime, I'd found a small like family owned jewelry shop who'd already helped me out by making me a replacement earring for one that I had lost. And um, it's crazy, they do this thing called calling you back when your order is finished. And there was also another ring there that I had kind of dated. It was a cute little sapphire, like art deco style. And every few weeks I used to come in and try it on and look at how it looked on my hand and double check that it was still there. And then I'd leave. And so that's where I went. I drove straight out there, 30 minutes out of my way. And it was really close to closing time when I got there. And I was so mad. Like, I didn't know if I should cry or if I should scream into the void. And I burst into the store completely on 10. I basically throw the ring box on the counter and ask one of the guys there, can you fix this? Like, can you take off these side diamonds? And I launch into the whole story of everything that I just told you 
about how this crappy piece of jewelry came to exist. And while I'm name shaming like the first store to the second store, I am not going to name shame either store to you. So he says, just get rid of the side diamonds. Is that all? It turns out it wasn't all. In addition to the cursed side diamonds, the ring was supposed to be edged in a design feature called milgrain, which is a fine, small, like series of little gold balls that are used as ornamentation. Rather than looking like these small, fine balls, the milgrain on my ring looked like, you know how when you make a pie and it's a double crust pie and you've got to mush the pie edges together and you get your fork out and you mash them? That's what it looked like. Not little fine balls, but little sad rectangles. And then they scratch the stone on top of everything. So I show them the piece of jewelry that the ring was made to complement. And all three men standing behind the counter at this point visibly cringed because the quality between the two pieces was so different. I asked if they could replace the whole setting because the only part that I liked was the split shank. And they said, leave both pieces with us. It'll take a couple of weeks. We'll get our smith to design something for you to come down to approve. 10 days later, the shop calls me. We have two designs for you to pick from. I go down there, I review the designs, and I pick one. Later that same day, I get the call back with the estimate, and in two weeks, there will be a 3D mold for me to approve. I should have the ring back by November. Joy. So about three weeks later, I get a call that surprises me. My ring is ready, which is odd because I didn't get to approve the 3D mold of it. So I go down there and I look at it, and guys, I shit you not. The side diamonds are still there. Still there. Still there! When I'm teaching kids about acting, we always talk about red flame and blue flame anger. So red flame anger is the kind of anger that explodes like a volcano. You know, lots of bluster and yelling and noise and blue flame. Blue flame is the smallest, hottest part of the fire. It's not big, it's still, it's quiet, and it's focused. And that is the place where I found myself looking at these side diamonds. The CAD design that I approved had no side diamonds anywhere. I was so angry. I couldn't even stay in the shop. I had to leave. And this is the second shop. This is the shop that I literally stormed into yelling about the side diamonds. This is the shop that was supposed to fix it. And yet I'm in the same place where I started, except now I've doubled the money that I've spent. They did rush the goldsmith out and he took the ring back to his workshop and he took the diamonds off right there while I was watching. However, Without the side diamonds on there, now the proportions of the ring are all out of balance. And when I came back, like I had to leave and clear my head, and when I came back into the store, in that time that I was clearing my head, I had like scripted in my head what I was going to say to them about this whole thing. I had organized it. It sounded polite. It sounded uh, orderly, right? I had ordered my points out what I was going to say, but I'm ashamed to say I was too tired to try. I didn't ask the store why I didn't get to approve the 3D model. I didn't ask, despite not having any side diamonds in the CAD model, 
How side diamonds somehow survived my third attempt to get rid of them. I asked none of this. I paid them and I left again the second time. And I'm still so frustrated about it. I'm still so angry about it. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice how emotional this still feels to me. So why, why tell you all this? Really seems like a first world problem, doesn't it, Bethany? Poor middle class lady, unhappy with her unnecessary auxiliary jewelry purchase that she made. Well, I tell you this because your feelings matter. And I tell you this because we've all swallowed things up or pushed them down because we were too tired to make a fuss. Because we've all had the rules changed on us or the finish line moved or our feelings invalidated or denied. When I get so angry, I can't speak clearly. It's not because I feel like I wasted a few hundred dollars. I am mad about that. The reason why I feel so strongly about this is because I knew my own feelings. I knew my own mind. I knew what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I disrespected myself because I knew it would be easier than making them make it right. What you need to know about this experience is that there is a part two. And it has a much better ending than this one. But this whole experience had to happen in order to make what happened next possible. For now, I have one completed ring, one empty head setting, and two loose diamonds that they gave me in a baggie because I paid for that shit. I have no immediate plans to make a third attempt. few thank yous before we get out of here. First thank you goes to Joseph's Jewelers in Des Moines, Iowa for being the only jewelry MVP of this entire podcast. Thank you. Thank you. If you are a Des Moines native, I highly encourage that you shop at Joseph's. The woman who helped me with my ring is Melissa. I have no idea if she's still there or not, but if she is, go for her because she was brilliant. My second thank you is to Scientific Uppercut, who is responsible for the music I use in my podcast. This is one in a two-part series, so I hope that you will join us for Curse of the Side Diamonds Part 2, where we have a much better experience of having something made. Until that time, my dears, please be brilliant.